Welcome to the State of Chiropractic Podcast. This is presented by the Chiropractic Defense Council, and I am your host, Baron Hoig, and I am thrilled you've joined us today. In the chiropractic profession, we understand the importance of staying informed, staying connected, and staying inspired. That's actually why we created this podcast. It's a platform dedicated to exploring the defense of chiropractic and how it affects your ability to serve the communities that you live in. In each episode, we're gonna dive deep into the latest issues surrounding the profession, industry trends, legislative developments that have shaped the landscape of our profession. We'll bring you thought-provoking interviews with renowned experts, practitioners, and advocates who are driving innovation and positive change within our profession. Our mission at the Chiropractic Defense Council is to provide a voice for chiropractors everywhere, defending your rights, promoting patient-centered care, and championing the value of chiropractic in the healthcare ecosystem. Through this podcast, we aim to educate, empower, and organize the chiropractic community. So whether you're a seasoned chiropractor looking to expand your knowledge or an ally of the profession, you're in the right place. We are here to share insights, debunk myths, and spark meaningful conversations that will shape the future of the profession. Before we begin, a special thank you to our incredible profession who make this podcast possible. Your commitment is truly commendable, and we could not do it without you. So... Get ready to embark on an enlightening journey as we explore the state of chiropractic. Together, we'll uncover untold stories, discover groundbreaking research, and delve into the fascinating world of chiropractic. And don't forget to subscribe to the State of Chiropractic podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also, stay connected with us through our website and social media channels where you can share your thoughts, ask questions, suggest topics for future episodes. So thank you again for joining us today. Now let's dive into the world of chiropractic and embrace the limitless possibilities it holds. Welcome to the State of Chiropractic podcast. All right, guys, I am so excited about this episode of the State of Chiropractic. Uh, We are very blessed to have Samir Banga, who is a solicitor in Australia. Uh, And man, Samir, we've uh, we've traveled some road together, my friend. It's been uh, it's been a journey over the last two and a half years. So thank you so much for taking some time. You're you're in Australia currently, and and I'm here in Ohio. So we're using technology to the best of our ability. But thanks so much for spending some time uh, talking with me today. Firstly, too kind, but thank you for having me. And look, it's been a interesting journey, a hard one, but then a good one. And I don't think it's ending anytime soon. In fact, I think we both know it's not ending anytime no. soon, especially. With the people that we both represent. Yeah, 100%. So to kind of get started, when when the CDC was asked to come into Australia and start doing some work, um, one of our first objectives was to try to find legal counsel, to try to find a solicitor. And for those of you that are watching this in other parts of the world where they don't call it that, that's the same as an attorney. They just have different levels of solicitors and barristers um, over there in their, in their judicial system. Um, but man, it was not easy when we were looking because there weren't very many people that were willing to step up and go against the government because working with us means you were never going to get another government agreement ever. <laughs> you weren't going to do any government. So you either had the super radicals that which, you know, uh, Dr. Lemming and I interviewed at least 15 of them. And you could just yeah. tell when you got on the phone with them that these people are glory hounding. There wasn't a lot of depth to it. They were going to just take a bunch of money, make a name for themselves, but there wasn't a lot of merit in what was going on. So it was amazing when we found you. Um, in the first initial conversations we had, I could tell, first of all, you were 
on the same side as us with the issue, believing that it was choice and that the government should not be doing that, which is always important to me whenever we start working or partnering with someone that we're on the same side of the issue. Uh, but secondly, just your knowledge and your strategy of how to go about doing the work was right in line with the way that my mind works. So it was a it was a great relationship. I don't think either one of us expected it to really blow up the way that it did to the degree that it did. Um, but tell me from your perspective, when we reached out to you, obviously we were a US-based organization. You know, you had no idea who we were. I was telling you we want to take on the system. You know, from your perspective, what was that, what was that like for you? I think a good example would be how you've just stated you've seen or spoken to some radical people, right, or radical organizations. For us, it's no different. All of a sudden, we have a group from America who we didn't know existed here. The CDC is obviously now huge and obvious with the years and months that we've had working together. I don't know how big the organization is, but at the first meeting, I had no idea. So for me, it was you and Dr. Lemming who I met, and it was I was very new to it, but where we did connect is obviously our values, what we're trying to achieve. And it was pretty simple to find that common ground. But I think one thing that we both do is we're not just, we connect on a professional level. We look at what the other person represents. And I think that's why it wasn't too difficult moving on and actually thinking, okay, we could work together because ultimately the relationship isn't that difficult, whether it's just purely business or purely, per I mean, personal can be a bit harder, but we both knew what we wanted. There was an outcome you that you guys wanted. There was an outcome that we wanted. Because that was so similar, it then just came down to, and I don't want to demean anyone or de diminish the cause by saying money, but then it just came down to, could you fund it? Could we do it? And that's how we progressed. But look, the first meeting, I guess I probably had similar questions to what you did. What does this guy actually do? Is he actually serious? Or for you to be organization, for us to be organization? Is he just going to be another radical person? Because I can, I know now, right? There are some lawyers, one who's no longer practicing anymore, that come across as a little bit more radical. And I think what we also understood together is it's not a simple one-off battle. This is something that continues. Neither of us knew how much it'd blow up. I completely agree with you. States like Queensland, which we thought would be a little bit more neutral and easier, eventually stuff happened there too, way later. And that makes no sense in itself. Putting that aside for the moment, originally it was WA, Victoria. Well, actually, no, New South Wales, Victoria. Yeah. yeah. Then WA got pretty radical. NT was a little bit different, but Queensland was a state which was doing pretty well for a, a majority of the time. And then all of a sudden started cracking down for no reason. And here we are thinking, what's going on? Right. But I think we'll be very similar to you in the sense that we were just trying to feel you out. You were trying to feel us out. But I have to say, it didn't take long to pass or to actually connect to trust. And that's a big thing in this game, right? If it's purely business, it's just money. You don't even necessarily need to trust the person. But in this case, values were very important and where our morals are, where your morals are. And if we didn't sit on the same page, we would have an issue moving forward. And I think this wouldn't have worked to the way it has or the extent it has. And I feel that's why a lot of law firms that were doing it or lawyers that said they were doing it are no longer there. And also, interestingly, now, a little bit off topic, but you have all these lawyers coming out of the woodworks that are saying now, oh, yeah, we stand for freedom and right. neutrality. We didn't say anything for the last three years. Yeah. We've moved through it, fought the battles, and we're still standing. But these people that are coming out going, we're here. Right. Now, I wonder right. how genuine they are. But I'm sure you're seeing that in America, Canada. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Now, with all the information coming out and the Pfizer trials and everything, you know, now we have Canada that's starting to put out that 
you know, and they were just as bad as Australia there for a little while. Um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting journey. Now, one of the things that I've gotten from a lot of the attorneys uh, and solicitors and barristers that we've worked with was the uniqueness of the way that our organization operates. And I'm not doing this to toot our own horn, but I want to prove a point to those people watching as to why the CDC operates specifically the way that it does so that we can sustain the longer battles, right? And I, and I want you to speak to this because I know you dealt with it on the MD side. You dealt with it a little bit with the nurses when you got, you had other clients where they'll raise maybe a hundred grand or something in the very beginning. And they think that's really a lot of money. And, but it's the only money they raised. And then you get into these battles and it's 30 grand here, 20 grand there, 15 grand here. And the next thing you know, they run out of money and then they can't really re-raise the money because they've spent it all. Everyone's like, I already gave and nothing came from it because these are such long-term things, which is one of the, the reasons that we have a lot of the attorneys that will stick with us because of the way that we generate money every month and our ability to sustain the longer battle. So from your perspective, Explain that to the viewers, like why that method makes so much sense to firms like yours. I mean, the most simple way to view this is you're still standing, I'm still standing. <laughs> right. Nurses are not, doctors are not. And that's the most simple way to view it. Obviously, there has to be money. Otherwise, you wouldn't be standing and neither, I mean, we'd be doing something very different. Right. So that's the best way to explain it. But to get in more depth, we originally started with doctors. So before, this is actually a good point you brought up, before Barron came into it and the CDC came into it, we had a group of five emergency doctors who were going to front a case. Funnily enough, all of them fell through as their jobs got safer, but then the money aspect became huge. And this is where the CDC came in because they heard about that case. And obviously you guys had heard about a few different ones and were yep. seeing which ones to donate to. And at that point, we had nurses, chiropractors, we had plentiful. We had many, many chiropractors. And this is actually something that we should go on to at some point, if it's not today, some other time. The strength of each mm. profession in the medical field. And the reason I say that is chiropractors, I'm treating them very differently to doctors, to nurses. Nurses stood up, but the money was an issue, always. With chiropractors, we obviously had you guys. So the funding was consistent and there. No matter how hard it got, there was something there. With doctors, you would think they'd have more money. You'd think they'd be willing to put more into it, nah, but that didn't happen. Yeah. And this is where that trust factor comes in too. I don't want to say I'm burnt by doctors because I have a lot of respect for what they've achieved and what they do. But when it come, when push comes to shove and when you're needed, those guys have the Hippocratic Oath, which they seem to believe one day and then one day it's like, let's just cross off. <laughs> yeah, it's relative it. for sure. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. It's relative to the situation and yeah. the time and their circumstances and how they feel. That doesn't exactly make sense. Nothing is black and white, but that was a bit odd. So then the CDC was always with us and we always had someone or some, a few chiropractors ready to go. And to be completely clear, some of the nurses were like that ready to go as well, but the funding wasn't there for nurses. And as much as, as you said, they'd be able to raise it, raise a one-time sum. It might be 20, 30, 40, might be a bit more, but that was it. Yeah, And battles like this cost a lot. The government has unlimited pockets, whether it's here, whether it's America, whether it's Canada. I mean, even if you're in some South American country, it doesn't have a lot of money. The government will find money if they're trying to fight you. Simple as that. Whereas when we have private citizens in this, in this example, and by private, I'm talking about in the sense of the person or the profession fighting the government, money is harder to come by. This is why you didn't have associations such as the APS, Psychological Association, or some of the doctors groups or their unions fighting because they didn't want to put the money into it. They didn't want to go up against the government. Yeah. And this is huge. And this tells you something about your profession as well, Baron, and the chiropractors and what you guys have gone through over the last 
well, actually, I shouldn't say 2030. It's been probably a lot longer than that. Right, from our inception, <laughs> yeah. From inception. But superficially, what I remember because I'm a bit younger and what I've learned, at least the last 40, 50 years, it's been a huge battle to be recognized. So there's there's some prowess there. There's some, I won't say PTSD, but the fight is there. Yeah. Doctors just don't have that. And regardless, yeah. that's so you go. Yeah, I was just going to say, to that point, I've tried to explain to other people, like here in the U.S. and other countries, you often, the one of the things we had going for us, if you want to say going for us in that environment, a large percentage of chiropractors were completely against being forced to be vaccinated. Other healthcare specialties, it's 10 to 15, maybe 20%, right? So you you didn't have, yes, the numbers are there because there's obviously hundreds of thousands of more of them than chiropractors. I mean, Australia alone has right around 6,600 chiropractors. I don't even know how many MDs. You're in the hundreds of thousands of MDs throughout all of Australia. So 10% is still a large number, but it's that camaraderie. It's that, that safety or security in numbers. They didn't have, they were being ostracized because we even had a number of MDs, naturopaths, um, Chinese medicine, acupuncturists, they all joined us because there were no organizations for them because they didn't have the majority of their groups that were on this issue. So it was very interesting to me to watch how they would come to us and be like, man, the Kairos are so organized. You guys, you guys created something. I wish my profession would do that. And I always kind of scratched my head. Like we didn't really do, I mean, I don't feel what we did was that novel. We just did it. It just made the most logical sense. But it was a very interesting period of time. It was much easier to divide and conquer doctors. It was much easier to divide and conquer anyone who, any type of doctor, actually. And even with the numbers, and say the percentages were higher, it possibly was because a number of them just weren't willing to speak to other colleagues because they were scared. True. And funnily enough, we had bullies, right, who believe one thing behind the scenes and say something completely different in public because yeah. they're scared. That doesn't seem to happen with chiropractors either, which is good as well. So chiropractors, you guys organized and you guys had that group. So the fear factor goes down. Yeah. Obviously, inherently, everyone's going to be scared. And let's be real. Even me, think, when we're fighting new battles, there is something going, are we doing this the right way? Right. We yeah, we didn't know. We were trial and error the whole time. <laughs> this is a brand new situation. I haven't faced, you haven't faced, or you guys have a little bit in a different way, but in terms of this and the large scale attack on our professions, we hadn't faced this, I'd say. Yeah. And then to have a group that was so well organized, and that's what set you guys apart. And that's what set us apart, I feel, from all the other medical professions and even other industries. Because look at, if you just simply take it out of the medical industry for a second and look at construction, they oh, had yeah, a lot of shutdowns and everything that was going on there. Yeah. Yeah. They could have done a lot, but some of them eventually ended up falling through. And um, I can't, undermine i can't look i can't have attack them for it because the simple thing there is we had to feed our families into this i get it and i'm not in that position but chiropractors still managed to do it and yeah, it was, we still it was, managed to get it done and i want people you know i want those of you watching this or listening to this that are not from new zealand or australia i really need you to understand that point of what samir just shared because it's been my heart the opportunity that we had in australia was incredible because the profession did come together. We were able to organize. We had thousands of chiropractors 
going in the same direction. We would put out an email. Samir and his team would say, okay, these are the things you need to have in your office. These are the things we need to do to put you in a defendable position. If you get contacted or someone shows up to your office, here's exactly what we want you to do. We had step-by-step directions for everybody there and everyone followed. Like it was amazing how quickly and how well that information went out. And Samir, you don't know this, but we don't have that in Canada and the United States. It's very hard for us to organize because they're just different countries. They chiropractic's a bit more established than it is in Australia. So therefore there's more, you know, territories and, and foundational roots that have been put in place with different philosophies. So it's a little harder to get everyone to go in the same direction. But that's one of the reasons we were so excited about Australia and New Zealand is we didn't have that opposition. Everyone was willing to jump on board, move in the right direction. And we kept hundreds, I mean hundreds of chiropractors working. And I'm very honored. And you should be honored of that as well, Samir. I know you got a lot of emails from people thanking you. And when you and I were doing our town halls, you got just as many hugs as I did for giving these people hope. But you know, those listening, I want you to understand the power that is in that organization. We had just a little, on right around 1,200 chiropractors organized in that country. And we were literally able to keep them working. We were able to stand our ground. We were able to protect the rights of people, which you wouldn't think 1200 people would be able to do that against an entire country. And, but we did. And so that's, what's so important for us in these other countries and why the CDC is structured the way that it is for 33 us dollars a month. It's a very small financial input individually, but corporately it's unbelievably powerful. That's what sustained us. That's what was able to allow us to grow in Australia. You know, our members in the United States were covering that cost initially until we grew the contributor base in Australia. So our model works and it was proven in that environment. Um, And so I'm glad that you recognize that as well. And by the way, those of you listening, Samir and I did not there's no questions submitted. We're literally just having a conversation. So this is all unsolicited, the things that he's saying. But um, I want to get just to to one other point here um, with you. When we were going through this, because you mentioned it here a minute ago, that you know it was interesting because no one in the world had dealt with what we were dealing with. But you and I and Dr. Lemming, we would sit on phone calls. And I remember you asking me, Baron, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, we have to, because it's the right thing to do. Like it's, let's not be dumb. Let's be strategic. I remember reading those health orders and and the directives, and we were looking exactly for where the loopholes might be, how we could advise and direct by state throughout Australia. We created the documents for each individual section of Australia. um, And, and we were, we literally just said, we're going to do it because we know it's right. Like, we don't know how this is going to happen. You even said, well, we're going to reach out and we're going to write the letter to opera or, or to the health ministry. And, We'll see how it goes. And as we found through time that just being a resistance, and even when they had very scary letters, because I know some doctors you know, got letters that they were going to lose their license or they were going to shut their business down. And you kept saying, I'm like, Samir, did you get that letter yet? You're like, no, they, they haven't sent it. Like we, they still really haven't done what they said they were going to do. No one showed up. We've had no official opinion from the ministry. And so from your perspective, going through that with you and your team, like, what was that like? Like, we were all just wondering when, when we were going to have, cause we were kind of thirsty for our first fight. Like we were ready to go, like to actually go to town and it never came. So from your perspective, what did that look like? I think it's similar to you because being a lawyer or not, you're just waiting for that to come and waiting for the penny to drop or that case to come and look Further on, we've now had a couple of cases, but this is a couple out of, as you said, thousands and hundreds, really, right? So 
that's not actually a big number when you look at it. A number of practitioners practice safely. There's always going to be someone at some point that gets hit. And yeah. statistics-wise, I guess you have better statistics than I do, but it's done pretty well. And I think we're in a similar position to you, Baron, because we'd just be waiting. A week goes, a month goes. When's this coming? When's this going to happen? And you just kind of have to wait and yeah. just play the game. As annoying as it is, and you just keep writing more letters, keep writing more letters, Sometimes you'd get responses quickly. Sometimes they wouldn't respond at all. And sometimes they respond really late, actually. Yeah. And that tells you about their resources too. And we have to remember, as much as we didn't know what was happening, I don't believe these officials knew what was happening either. And I'm not talking, there's people that are going to say someone, the higher up they go, the more they know, sure, whatever. But the people we're dealing with. The people actually really enforcing it. Yeah. yeah. Correct. They didn't know what was going on. So they're making it up day by day as well. Yeah. So sometimes they'd go into a premise and they'd record it without permission. We've actually had one of those cases. Is that valid? We say, no, it's not because a person didn't know it was being recorded and you've come in as an authorised officer. That's what they'll call in Victoria and you were basically allowed to come in, allowed yeah. to come in to the person's practice and investigate, right? So issues like that, and these popped up regularly or these popped up here and there because they are doing it as well. And I think it's the same with correspondence. They need to consider it. They go back to someone higher who goes back to someone higher because they also don't want to stuff it up because they know if they do, that gives us another avenue to attack them. That's right. So I think both sides are similar maybe. Yeah. And it, it was, it was, again, it was in hindsight now, it was, you know, such a great feeling to, you know, I would literally wake up because of the time change. Right. So you guys are emailing me through my night and, you know, yeah. I would, and man, was that fun getting on those, those conferences. <laughs> I think I missed like two because of the time change and all of that. And, um, but it, it was, uh, yeah, it was just a crazy time. I, I, I'm honored that we have, you know, we have that history and it, it makes us very emboldened now. You know, th that's another thing that's, that I need people to understand. The CDC really got its name during the COVID pandemic because that was the fire at the time, but our organization really was founded prior to that. Um, and our vision was to create a, a, a team like Samir and some of the other people that we're working with in Australia, where they're ready to go. They have this history now. Samir, for those of you listening, is teched up on chiropractic. Like we have, we've talked a lot about it. He's read a lot of material. So now like really any issue where the rights of chiropractors in Australia are under hinge, we're doing that right now with censorship issues and, and the way that that regulatory body is trying to stop chiropractors from speaking the truth about chiropractic. And, and so it's, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's always going to be a need to have kind of big brother or this defense system in place. So we plan on having Samir on retainer for as long as he's practicing. And as long as he's willing to work with us, because there's such value in the history of these relationships. When you go to war with someone like that, you really understand what they're about. You learn a lot from it that we'll use in future battles that are inevitably going to come. And so it's been awesome for us to, to dream about creating this defense council to actually do it, go through our first real battle, have the warriors that we want on our team, and then, you know, be ready for the next battle. It's, and, and I, I'm assuming from your perspective as well, it's got to be great having long-term clients that, you know, you're ready to go. There's, there's history. The work gets a little easier the deeper you go because you have that history. But I, I'm, I'm speaking for you here, but I'm assuming you're as excited as we are to have this relationship continue. The most important thing for us is that we sit on the same page, that yeah. we have got our objectives are very similar because that then 
that just flows. Everything else goes with it. As you said, long-term clients mean money for us too. I mean, we all need to live, right? And as much as yeah. I hate to say it, but money is important for all of us. Yeah. Your organization stay afloat for us to stay afloat. But what comes before that is the values. And this is where I think, our, and this probably goes to the first question as well, or the first statement that you made. This is why our relationship is a bit more dynamic and stronger because our values are the same. We're both looking for the same outcome or at least very similar outcomes. And that makes it easier to work together. It means we can work together longer because our, we're on the same page, but then the money in the background just makes sure it doesn't go away. And as far as, as you said, as long as I'm practicing, who knows, that could be 10, 15, 20, 40 years. God knows at the moment, but we'll figure that one out. <laughs> hey, you're, you're having your first kid soon. So uh, yeah, no, that'll be, uh, that, that, that'll, that'll, that'll change your, your uh, dynamic for sure. That's for sure. Well, listen, man, I, I can't thank you for your time. I want to respect it. I know you're just getting your day started. Um, and, uh, I just, I, from the bottom of my heart so that it's archived in the histories, Samir, it's been an absolute honor to serve with you. Um, you are an absolutely class act. I'm honored that you're a part of our team and, uh, we got a lot more work to do there in Australia. So I'm excited to, uh, to put that together. So I, I appreciate you. Thank you for fighting for what we love and, uh, and being a part of the team, my friend, I appreciate it. Thanks, Baron. Look, the pleasure is all mine. And to be honest, this has been one of the hardest three years for a lot of people. And that probably includes you, obviously, practitioners, myself, my family in many ways. But it's probably the best three years of my life, too, because the amount of growth, learning and development that's occurred is second to none. And yeah. what, at the least, what we can do is stop this happening again. So this relationship has to continue for many reasons. 100%. 100% agree. All right, my friend. God bless you. We appreciate you. Thanks. And that brings us to the end of another enlightening episode of the State of Chiropractic Podcast brought to you by the Chiropractic Defense Council. I'm your host, Baron Hoig, and it's been a pleasure to delve into the world of chiropractic with you today. We hope that this episode has provided you with valuable insights and perspectives on the ever-evolving field of chiropractic. Our mission here at the Chiropractic Defense Council is to foster education, awareness, and advocacy for chiropractic professionals worldwide. And we're grateful to have you as part of this community. Remember, knowledge is power. And it's crucial to stay informed about the latest advancements, research, and legal developments in chiropractic. By empowering ourselves through knowledge, we can make informed decisions, advocate for our profession, and ultimately provide the best care possible to our patients. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the State of Chiropractic podcast so that you'll never miss a future episode. We have a lineup of esteemed guests and, and thought leaders in the chiropractic community who will continue to share their expertise, offering you a well-rounded understanding of the profession. We'll also like to express our gratitude for our unwavering commitment of chiropractic contributors. Without your generous contributions, this podcast could not exist, nor could we do the work we're doing around the world. So this is a heartfelt thank you to all of you. Until next time, stay aligned, stay informed, and keep making a difference in the lives of those you serve. God bless.